Okay, three, two, one, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited for this episode. We've got a sneakerhead, a lovely guy in Shannon, someone that we all know. Ladies and gentlemen, we got Cliff, man. Cliff, what's happening, man? Hey, how's it going, man? All's how's good. Your, How are you? How's your year been, man? What's going on with the COVID lockdown for you? How is things? How are we getting on with it? Yeah, it's all good to me. Does this, this lockdown, it doesn't bother me at all. I, I trained all my life for this. <laughs> you trained all your life for this. Elaborate on that, man. What, what have you been training for? Well, what's, what's the secret? Nah, just, what's the secret? Yeah, just man. used to being, be, being able to be on your own and enjoy everything that's within your own company. And obviously with the, yeah, with the select few around you then that you can, which is fine. Which is fine. Were you affected much by this? Um, because for people that don't know, you have a business there in the Shannon Leisure Centre. It's uh, acupuncture, with, uh, sunrise acupuncture. Did that get hit? Yeah. Um, yeah, it would do because when the Leisure Centre closed down due to COVID because of the gym and the pool, um, with my business being inside, I've had to close down as well, but at the start, everything was kind of like up in the air and within the acupuncture council, they didn't really know themselves where we stood with uh, like health service. So they they done some digging and then a couple of months later, we figured out that we were essential in the health industry. So I was allowed open, but because the legend was closed, I wasn't able to really get in and when I did manage to get in I was only able to go in one Saturday a week rather than come in and out so the, they knew I was only in there for one day and then I, and that was fine but I was closed down for about six months I'd say at the start. So how did that feel because like I'd imagine you're kind of running like a train and then when the tracks halt did you feel that like did you kind of feel your you're going to uh, your work ethic drop a bit like or yeah well do you know what to be honest with life that was so busy up until that point when it all just stopped I I just I just took it in and just kind of went alright this is it this is the way it's going to be so just enjoy it so I enjoyed it I, I went out to the garden I'd done up the garden that took me about two months I dug it all up with a shovel and laid a patio so you know I, I'd done a bit of manual labor to pass the time by which wasn't so bad yeah and I just just enjoyed it then from there on there was so, not much I could do so pre-covid what did a normal day look like for you like when did you get up like what when did work kick in so I because I work in EI electronics as well mm -hmm. so my normal day would be consisted of getting up about half six, anywhere between half six, seven o'clock, and getting into, then getting ready, getting up for work, to go to work in the eye, do my full day in the eye, half four, and then come home, get into my little routine, sit down, have a cup of coffee, munch on a few biscuits, and then back out the door for half five, to get into the clinic for half five, and I could be there till about maybe half nine so it's a long so day. day yeah it's a long day and that was only it was about maybe three times in the week so there was days where i didn't do acupuncture because i had my daughter on those other alternative days so i allowed family time to be separate from that from my busy life that's great man that you say that because um i was doing personal training and I found I was working in the gym and doing PT, so trying to find that separation. Because um, you could be in the gym, say, six to two, and you could be PTing from like two to 10. And it's good that you marked out early in your career, like this is designated family time. Because that's not taught in that industry, do you know what I mean? No, it's not. It's, yeah, you can really get sucked in. Like you can see it with people in jobs, they get sucked in. They'll be there from six in the morning till nine at night. You know, and then they just come home, have the dinner and go to bed. You know, family life doesn't doesn't evolve around it because they're too busy working to get the business on track and push and push and push. But there has to be an element where you need to stop and just enjoy life that's around you and then go back again. Yeah, I feel that. So when 
and where did the acupuncture start? Um, so I graduated in 2010 and I done three years. So it was in 2007 when an opportunity came up. It was either to go to LIT or to do acupuncture in the business school in Shannon here. For anyone that knows, the acupuncture college is just around the corner from Mace in Ballycasey. So there was an opportunity to either leave work, to go to LIT to do engineering full-time or to do acupuncture two weekends a month for three years. Three years, so, that's great, it's a long time. Yeah, so I took the opportunity, was I was able to still work and study at the same time. That financially was so much better for me because having to leave work to go to college and then struggle, it was just, it was going to be too much. So I took on to the other side, which uh, in the long run, it actually benefited me more because through EI, I've done engineering course and to be honest, it just wasn't for me. So I knew then at the time I was like, okay, engineering is, I'm only doing this just because when I finish school and something that people are supposed to do in life, you know, the all idea that when you finish school, this is what you got to do. But yeah. you know, that just wasn't for me. So I took on the, I found acupuncture and it made so much more sense for me to do it then in the end. So what was the process like doing that? You know, the weekends, was there many exams or tier, was it theory, heavy base theory? Like, Yeah, heavy base theory. There is a lot. And even when there's that much, you're only tapping into what the books are telling you because the books, it's a few like a thousand pages, you know, and it gives you everything that you need to know in the book. But when you have a client, and they tell you what's wrong with them, you can forget the book because it does not go by the book. They'll have a bit of complications or injuries, you know, any elements that they're feeling sick. And it could be crossing between many different uh, syndromes or issues that you're taught in the book. So you have to kind of compile it together. You know, you have to kind of put the puzzle together to figure out what's wrong. Yeah, the book yeah. could tell you, the, yeah, you know, the book could tell you, like, this is exactly what's wrong with them. But in everyday life, it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that, you know. You will have their cases that do, but majority of the people, it, it doesn't exactly follow by it. But you have the guidelines to work and dig your case history out of it and find out what's going on. Awesome. I... Tell me about your approach to starting the business. Like, when did you make that decision to go, okay, I'm going to start a business here and, you know, I'm going to run run the roads with it? Like, um, When I graduated, I was kind of just treating friends and family at first, just learning to trade. Because when you're in college, you'll do theory constantly for three years and then there's needling, learning how to needle at the end of in year three. But when you get into the real world, it's just you don't have the time that was allowed in college to just kind of find where it is and put the needles in and just kind of mess about, like, you know, just kind of figure these things out. But in the real world, you kind of have to practice and put in the practice and find these points because you can't hang over the patient unsure. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Yeah, I think it's there. You know, you you can't do that so yeah it's not very professional you know what i mean of course, of course. so just practicing through friends and family and eventually when it get like that then it was someone had said oh sure cliff's doing acupuncture do you want john would you go to him or he can call to the house they were like yeah tell him call over so then i just started calling to people's houses at the start for, i'd say that was on and off for about maybe two years two years yeah yeah, just going house to house, you know, it, client base was it's slow to build because trying to get people to trust in in acupuncture and make them believe in acupuncture is totally outside of anyone's mind. 
because everything's led to believe that you know western medicine is what makes things better yeah and then I, by that time you know I, I i met i don't know do you know um do you know stephen lynch yeah i do know yeah stephen lynch yeah. stephen lynch yeah yeah and go try he offered me to have a room in his in his um training facility and i just it just kicked off from there just went ball roll from there was there for maybe about three years so word of mouth was your big thing like you know that guy yeah got the ball rolling that yeah word of mouth was pretty much all of it because when i was at the go try the people that were there were a lot of people were injured or you know they had niggly injuries and wanted to get looked after before they went racing or treat them on the way up to a race so that their body is more supple and more free so that they can run or swim or cycle much better you know or train better yeah and then from there on it just was like oh can you do this can you do that yeah sure we can do and train them mentally and physically so it helped you getting all these guys that were training because then they told other people who had other issues and then slowly start to come in that way I always found it was a lot easier to work with people that were training for something because they wanted to get that fix you know what I mean they wanted to get that ailment out yeah. of the way as opposed to Joe Bloggs who just came in with a niggly shoulder you know yes that's the main thing you will see is especially for me a lot of the people that come into me are people who train and they always want like they might have gone training and that's it my hamstring doesn't feel right when I run and they, you know that they're a long distance runner and they can't take the chance of any you know, real damage happening so yeah. they want to get fixed and looked after um, you know, and it helps that these guys come in and trust me to do the job and help them along what's your most sought after uh, procedure uh Injuries, mostly people have injuries, lower back pain, glute pain, shoulder pain, uh, neck pain even. Everyone has pain and it, it manifests in the back more so because we always, you know, you know when you're stressed, yeah, uh, you, you, you hunch forward. And when you're stressed and you hunch forward and it causes pain and then there's emotional pain behind that as well because it's just it's like if someone's sitting on your back and that's just the muscles getting tight and then we have outside factors like weather that doesn't help you know you especially in Ireland you know if one day it's raining the next day it's windy it's it's sunny all those factors when it comes to Chinese medicine have a big huge role in why this person has a sore back it's not just they have a sore back there's a reason why they have a sore back. You find the reason. You find the reason. So, like, you know, they, it might be they lifted something. No, it wasn't that. My back was fine. Um, I, I've been standing at work all day. My back has been fine. But I did go out for a run one day and I was sweating. And then the next day I woke up and my back was sore. And I, then we find out what the weather was like how they were feeling, were they really feeling a bit ill at the time? And, you know, everyone, when they're a bit ill, they still continue doing what they do rather than listening to their body. Yeah. And they train through it. But because when you sweat, the pores are open, outside factors like wind can get in. And just as what I call it, it goes in and it jumbles up the muscles and it makes the muscles tight that doesn't help because then when you come home you cool down what does everyone do when they cool down they sit in the clothes they've been training in they don't take off the clothes and wrap up they might jump into the shower straight away but you need that moment five ten minutes take off the clothes and cool down first gives your chance of your, your body a chance to kind of get rid of any uh any of the outside factors that have kind of gotten in Awesome. So, yeah, so it helps, you know, if you take the right steps to help yourself, it makes a big difference. 
I I got copied on man, and I thought it was awesome for me because I play American football as well and I niggly pains because I've been in three point stance and I'm exploding out of it and I just you know I got referred to me because one of the lads I was working in the gym referred it and it was awesome like and it was it was mind blowing to see that kind of attention to detail and it wasn't just you're going in getting the cups you, you got the why you got the how you know it was very for me being in fitness it was very educational too and that's something that I really enjoyed about the service too is you give the education you don't just go here's a cup and a lighter and a needle and that it's full on this is why <laughs> you know and this is it like, and I found that really interesting when I was on the bed getting the, the procedure done like. yeah uh, a cupping is it's phenomenal it's so good especially when it comes to athletes so we'll just call people who train athletes you know because you're a form of athlete yeah so you you see all the, the A-list celebrity athletes, you know they get it all all the time. That was must have made your, your business boom as well. Like the likes of Instagram seeing like for me like James Harrison is a, is a Pittsburgh Steeler and he had all these big red dots in his body and I was like, what is that? And the more I looked into it, it was the cupping and like that must yeah. be a benefit beneficial to you too seeing the social media helping. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it makes there's an element to it uh, when it comes to it. But I, I'm sure if we were more kind of in the bigger cities like in Limerick or or Dublin, Cork, more people would see that more rather than being in a smaller town like Shannon, um, more smaller town like Shannon, that they wouldn't see it, you know, and they just. It's not something that they pay attention to more so, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, I was only told there, was it Saturday? I think it was Saturday um, when we were talking about acupuncture with, with, with someone. And it was about maintenance of looking after yourself. And they were saying even LeBron James, you know, you see LeBron James, who's got cupping always on his shoulders or on his upper back. So you, you you know what he's doing. He's playing basketball. So he's using his upper body a lot. And he said he's been getting acupuncture and cupping. And he's been maintaining his body for the last, what, 10, 15 years? And he's never had a real serious, serious life-ending injury. Yeah. You know, and that's amazing. That's amazing, like. It is phenomenal, like, in like that it's it's the release of the muscles too I found like and the mobility you get off of it was just incredible like yeah um, I've done I've done experiments with with cupping on lads uh, because ones don't like needles ones don't mind needles and cupping so I had two guys one I done acupuncture and cupping and the other one I done just cupping on because they wanted to train for this big race in the Canary Islands there a couple of years ago. The two guys were they were on par, on level, very, very fit people, long distance runners, they've never had an issue. But with this race they wanted to make sure they were in tip top shape because this race was up through mountains, through valleys up massive uh, massive hills and dips one after another and they just wanted to make sure so with the guy who had done the cupping and acupuncture he came in the race about an I'd say just under an hour ahead of the other guy who just got cupping and they'd usually be on par and level around the same same times which I found was amazing. That is mind-blowing when if you think about it, the yeah. difference. Big difference, because with acupuncture, you, you get more blood flowing. You you can, there's an element to, with acupuncture, to make the body move better. There's even a case of uh, this Tour de France cyclist, uh, Niabli, I think his name was, and he won the Tour de France. And he went through, is there four stages or five stages 
I'm not sure. No, I think there's but, four, yeah. Is it, yeah, he went through every stage with no issue whatsoever, and he was miles ahead of everybody. And every stage that he had gone through, he stopped and he got acupuncture to help relieve his body from stress and get his body to repair so that when he went back out the next day, there was no issue. He was getting acupuncture before, during, and after to keep his body in tip-top shape. And he won the Tour de France, not a water. That's unbelievable. I do Isn't feel it? like I, I do feel like that's growing now, like towards because like obviously living in Ireland, we're so far behind the rest of the world in kind of medicines and physio and fitness. Like, do you think now it's kind of it's growing to the level it should be at? Yeah, a small bit. I think it could be bigger. People are still skeptical about it because they can't understand why a needle that you would stick in their arm or let's say you stick in their hand would help their shoulder. Because there's this idea that like, no, no, my shoulder is sore. Put it in there. No, no, no. Retreat in the lower area in the hand first and the arm to help your shoulder before we stick needles up there because it's already too sore. So you don't want to, you know, simple logic. You don't want to stick needles in somewhere that's really sore already. Yeah. So we have the, you know, we have the meridian lines that run down the arms that are connected to the shoulder. So you want to free up those lines, help remove the pain before you even get up there. So it helps, you know, everyone's different. Some people that you know, when you've treated them for, for a long time, you can just go straight for the shoulder. But some people who are skeptical, you kind of just treat the arm to help ease out the pain first. Show them, look, we'll help move the pain. And then they can move the arm a bit better and then slowly work up to their shoulder. You don't want to scare them off either, you know, because it, it can hurt a little bit. Yeah, I, I got the needle and done and it was, it was the heat lamp over the needles. And I actually found it very relaxing. Yeah, you would. You, you'll find it really relaxing. You know, because everyone's got this this fear of needles, and like, you know, for me it was just like, well, they're in the position they need to be, and you got the heat. Some of the heat just kind of relaxes through it, like. Yeah, and uh, the heat the, you had the heat lamp over the needle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you go back to the olden days, they would use a little. Um, it, it's called moxibustion, and they would use that. So it's like a little piece of coal a circle piece, like a, a tube, you know, that you can get, it comes in, but you cut it to make it small, to fit. So you'd fit it on the needle and you'd light that. So it heats the needle and that would go into the body through, the heat would go through the needle into the body. But for years and years has gone on, moxibustion is becoming less and less because one, there's the potential of burning the patient because the, the moxa would be hot so ash could fall off and land on the patient. And then it's just, it takes a lot of time because you got to cut the pieces down to fit on the needle. Whereas with the heat lamp, it does, it heats the needle and it heats the surrounding muscles around the body. So it does double the action for far less time. And it's it much a, safer. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really good treatment though. It was very like that, you know, people have this fear. Like I bought a lot of tattoos and people are like, oh my God, I couldn't sit through that because the needles, but it's like, you know yourself <laughs> when you get tattooed, once the gun is on and the procedure is started, it's fine. You know, you're, you're fine. But, yeah. Ah, sure, man. I got my, my chest, arm, two arms full of them. So yeah, I know, I know what it's like when you're getting, when you're getting tattooed. It's it's long. There comes a point. There's a breaking point. At the start, it's fine, but then when the hours start to kick in, it's like, okay, I can. I'm starting to feel this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you kind of numb out, it's you're all right. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the, one of the parts about this podcast I'm very excited about is we're gonna segue into the sneakers. So, you're a sneakerhead. Tell yeah. people what a sneakerhead is, because people are. They're throwing out the term, but they don't know what it is. And they think they know what it is. And what is it? Well, you, a sneakerhead, I, there's so many ways. This, and this, 
people who've been in it for as long as I have, which is, I'd say, about 20 years. Wow. We, we wouldn't, like, people would look at us and say, you're a sneakerhead. But us ourselves, we don't think of ourselves as sneakerheads because we've come to the point as being sneaker collectors because we've collected so many pairs over the years. Is, is there an evolution into that? Like, do you have to own like 50 pairs before you can become a collector from a head? Or is yeah. it just... <laughs> well, like, there's, there's, there's different forms, I suppose. Like, you could collect... You could collect Air Maxes. You could have 10 pairs of Air Maxes for the last 10 years. But that doesn't make you a sneaker collector. You know, it just makes you like Air Maxes. But if you have like 50 pairs of Air Maxes that you've collected from 20 years ago and you've chopped and changed or you've got doubles and triples of pairs that you really love, now you're starting to fall into the category of collecting pairs. Because there's, there's the term, you know, you rock one, you stock one and you back one. So like, it, it's, it's a great way of doing it, triples, but it becomes expensive. <laughs> I could imagine so. Like, why? Like, take me back to your first, your first cop. Uh, I think that's the right terminology. Uh, yeah, first cop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like your very first time. You, what was the shoe? And like, what was the moment you went? I'm, I'm into this. I'm hooked. Uh, it happened when my uncle, who lives over in London, he's a, a massive sneaker collector, and he sent me a picture of a pair. Now, we're going back, what, 20, yeah, 20 years? Polaroids were a thing back then. And he sent me a picture of a pair. It's, at the time, I didn't know, but when he sent me a picture of a pair of shoes, it, they were called Nike Dunks Goldenrods. Okay. They were, they're an issue of, like, the, the school's in America, you know, to be true to your school campaign that they've done way back in the 80s and they reissue pairs uh, when years come on. And when he got that pair and he sent me a picture of it, I was like, that's so cool. Because, you know, back then it was you couldn't send pictures through mobile phones. No. So I was like, a Polaroid, send it in the post. What do you think? Oh, yeah, that's cool. Write a letter back. Oh, that was that's class. Yeah. Turns out back then you could just walk into a shop and get a pair so I told him can you get me a pair he got me a pair and it was the very first pair that I just absolutely loved it's you know the Iowa State yeah it, it's their colorway yeah so that's that like I, I got that pair and when I was young being 14 I just no clue I just I thought it's just another pair of shoes but I love it. Yellow and black. How cool is that? You never see anyone wear a yellow pair of shoes. So yeah, I wore them all the time. Absolutely killed them. And I just threw them in the bin. Did you get shit for that? Because I'm an expressive person, man. I've always wore reds and whites and yellows. And I remember growing up, man, if, if you weren't wearing something that wasn't a Reebok classic or um, a traditional shoe, man, people were kind of looking at you going, what is this? Like, what's on your feet? Yeah, all the time. It was like, why are you wearing yellow shoes? Yeah. Why not? Why not? What's wrong with wearing yellow shoes? Wasn't a big deal to me because the way I looked at it was, I love colors. I don't care what you think. That's what I like. So I'm happy enough to wear them. So that Slowly was, that's, over. What, that's what yeah, picked you so that, that, uh, that first brand like that. And did you stick to Nike for a while after that, or did you branch out? I stuck with Nike for a bit. Because then I got into some Air Force Ones. And I got, I think my next pair after that were, a, yeah, they were Air For a black Air Force One, uh, NYC, New York City, black Air Force, mid black Air Force One. So just for the people uh, that are listening, mids are the locals. 
mid, yeah. So it wasn't a high. It was a mid. It was in between a low and a high. It was a mid, just perfect for the ankle height. You know, it wasn't over that. So it's that was class pair because I remember wearing that and on where I don't know. Do you know if you have seen mids before? There's a strap that comes across. And there's a Velcro bit that you would, you know, seal over. And on the side of that Velcro, it's, it says NYC. And everyone used to be like, that's so cool. Where'd you get those? Oh, I got them over in England. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ireland never seen this kind of stuff. No. Especially especially this side of Ireland. You know, in, in the west side of Ireland, it was miles behind even Dublin. Dublin saw stuff more, but we still were way behind when did you branch out to the different um, different brands? Like, what was once you had the you were bitten by Nike? Like, what was like a Reebok or a Puma or an Adidas? What was the kind of moment you were like, yeah, let's let's go and get all these? Like, uh, I found shell, uh, Adidas shell tops. You know the oh, superstars. Yeah, 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 the superstars, and that only came because when. It kind of comes hand in hand when you're buying sneakers and music comes in, you know, hip hop, uh, old school rock, you know, all these guys from the 70s and 80s, they all wore this kind of stuff. And when I seen Run DMC wearing a pair and I was like, they're cool. What are those? I was like, oh, oh, you can actually just get these fairly easily. You can walk into a shop and they were there. You know, there was no real fuss over shell tops back in the day. No. I don't know. There was a period of time where shell tops became a thing, uh, but it just died off again, you know. But back then, I bought I bought loads, bought loads of shell tops. Uh, I think I still have some. I don't wear them anymore because when you get older, they show your age. You know, <laughs> show your age, but they're very flat, and I just I, I'm more. Because I work in the in the health industry, I'm more looking after my body, and I know wearing flat shoes doesn't help the hips and the back. So in that terms, I'm like I get pains in my feet, and I, I know where this is going to go. So I just kind of stopped wearing them over time, and it just it was like you know, I'm saving myself a lot of pain here. So I just stopped. I still have them, so which is a plus, I guess. <laughs> They're nice to look at, is it? Off the top of your head, how many shoes do you reckon you have in total? Just a rough guess. I've seen some of your collections, man, and you've got a lot. Well, to be honest, off the top of my head, I thought I had about 100 pairs, right? Until I done a count there, like, last week, two weeks ago. I'd done a count, because someone asked me when I was at home, and I said, how many do you have? And I, and I checked. Where I live now, I have like 70 pairs. Wow. All right. And I have half of that back at my family home because I can't store everything. So I have a room in, in my family home that you know, my mother has been nice enough to, to, to let me store them there. And there's about 70 there as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got an inventory I've got at yeah. this stage yeah and you know what to be honest there before Christmas I was saying to myself I'm just going to flow in between 100 pairs no more so I sold off loads and then I bought some and then I sold some and then I bought more than I've sold so, and I didn't really pay attention to that until I'd done the count and I went oh my god I've bought more than I actually sold <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing when we're exposed to so much variety now, like um, yeah, and, and hype is the biggest problem because when something comes up and it's it's cool and it's re-retroed, it's been brought back out. You know, like it, like I said, the golden rods that I got when I was like fourteen, they came back out at Christmas time, twenty years later, and I was like, I'm getting a pair, and I got them. It just brought back memories of like. I can't believe I have a the pair of shoes that I had when I was 14, 20 years later. That's amazing, man. It was, I made, I made sure, I was like, I'm pulling out all the stops. 
and, I, and which is great. I managed to get them for retail, which was great. So that That's was a, a big plus as well. That's a win. Yeah, exactly. So like they don't. Yeah. How much? Say going back to your golden rights, right? How much did they retail back twenty years ago towards what they're at today? Uh, I'd say they were about seventy quid. That's probably seventy sterling. So back then, that would probably be what fifty-five euros. I think wasn't that the way it worked, or was it the other way around? I think you're right on that. Yeah. I can't remember, but yeah, it was it was more money. It was like this sixty nine ninety nine kind of job, you know, back then. But I, I still have stickers on some Jordans that I got in two thousand and two, I think. Two thousand two must be. Yeah, I have a pair of Jordans from around that time, around two thousand two thousand four, I think. And on the box it says eighty nine ninety nine. I bought the same pair. They'd be the Jordan 4 breads. I don't know if you know them. I wouldn't be too familiar on them. What color would they be? So they're black and red, the Jordan 4s. They'd be black and red. And they came back out. And at the time, actually, sorry, no, that's a lie because they were $129.99. It was the cool gray Jordan 4s, is what I got for. 89.99 and they came back out two years ago and they retailed at one one 170 i think so you're, you're just just nearly 100 euros in the difference between that's then phenomenal. and now that's phenomenal right isn't it? it it's crazy and i'll tell you what the materials and the quality is nowhere near what was good 10 15 years ago going back to but you're paying 15, but you're paying you're paying more money yeah yeah going back to 10 15 years ago though jordan was pushed by i think and one at the time like i think people were kind of buying and ones over jordans and i think you could get jordans cheaper because there was such a big hype around and ones i know in in this area of, of ireland there was anyway um because i remember playing basketball like in uh, everyone just seemed to have and ones and like if you were Jordans you were kind of like uh, you know it was kind of like who's this guy <laughs> yeah the the and ones are the Reebok aren't they okay Reebok yeah yeah the Reebok and wasn't it and ones who they were worn by who were they worn by I can't remember the was, game it, was it the game but the, a, the basketball award the and ones that was quite famous that kind of got everybody. Oh, he's wearing them. I, I, I can't remember what his name is. I'm sure I know a couple of lads that will know straight away who he is. Uh, but I think that's who or where it came from. And then the game started wearing it, which got everybody else into it then. That's who got me into it whenever I seen them. I seen the game wearing ones. I was like, yeah, I, I want to get this. Like, <laughs> I think Alan Iverson, I think it was Alan Iverson, bought him in off the top of my head. Is it Alan Iverson? He played for the Sixers. Sixers, yeah. Sixers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was him. He's the guy with the big long sleeve, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Down one arm, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was him. I could be wrong, but yeah. It rings a bell, yeah. That just shows you the culture, though, you know, from sports to shoes. Like, that's that's one of the things I really like about that sneakerhead culture was that it's a way of expressing yourself, too. Yeah, it was, because if you go back to, let's say, Jordan. Jordan got signed by Nike, started wearing shoes. And the history tells you that the NBA did not like what he wore because it didn't match his, his the colors. Yeah. And that was him expressing himself. And then he got shoes banned. He got shoes taken away from him. And he still stuck and wore them all the time. And they just had to give in. And he's, he said the, the tone for other people to have different colorways and different brands. Yeah, the the man, I like, I, I don't even know that he know that he was doing that then. Probably, you know, he just, I want to wear something that I like. And he wore something that he liked and then he just set the tone forever on. Forever on, he's still going strong. Jordan's, 
You can dress them to everything, man. That's the, that's the beauty of it, like. Yeah. Have uh, you pretty... you... Go on. Go on. No, you go on. You finish your sentence. Uh, I was I was just going to say like it, it, with the more fashionable Jordans, you you couldn't wear them to ball anyways. You, you've seen it. Uh, did you watch the last dance? I did. Yeah. You know, he went back and he he balled in was it a pair of Jordan ones and he cut his feet open. He said, "There's no way they're not like back in the day it was great, but technology is what gets it further now and more comfortable pairs to wear. You could you couldn't wear these pairs to ball in now. They're just not they weren't." They're not designed to. They're more, and that's the reason why, like, you have Jordan ones, threes, fours, fives, sixes, more in the fashion statement rather than wearing to play sports in. That's that's very true, man. I've seen so many athletes posting up pictures of their shoes, like they might have done it for um, a historic reason, or they might be wearing Yeezys just to flex the price they paid for them. And you see them, they're cut up after. Like it's it's almost a fashion statement more than a performance statement. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's the, it's the life, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. It's because everyone knows what if they see it, they're like, I know what that is. What's the craziest like, thing you've done to get a pair of shoes, man? Um, the craziest thing. Have you been able to access them easy, or have you actually like? And it's stake out overnight where you've been like, oh, I have to get these, like, I'm not moving until I get them. Or even in nowadays terms, like with laptops and phones, like, have you got a setup when you're buying? Like, uh, n- No, I don't have a setup. I am probably the most unluckiest person to win on the sneakers app. <laughs> I, get, I, 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 I get the biggest L's that you can ever imagine. But I managed to get stuff elsewhere. Okay. But sneakers app, if, if you don't have a bot, if you're not if you're not in that side of the game you, you know you won't get it or multiple devices of what people are using people are using like 10 10 phones 10 laptops 10 tablets and they're all getting in uh, out of 30 attempts you might land two pairs if you're not in it you know you're not going to win but i just it's too much time and effort for me because i have other resources that i can get stuff on which i'm very lucky for well, yeah, yeah, if you go back, like you're saying, the craziest thing, the cra- I don't even say it's crazy, but it's more of the opportunity that was given. Um, I do- There's a store in London called Offspring. Yes. And to this very day, they've changed how the community managed to get stuff. Because they were like, we, we're about the community, we want to give to the community. So it works both ways. You know, you've got to make your attempt and they will help out, you know. So there was a pair of Jordan 4s that came out because Jordan 4s is like one of my favorite pairs of shoes. And they were the Travis Scott Jordan 4s. They're all blue. They're suede. they're, They're unbelievable. But the competition was a picture post competition. So you take a picture of your Jordan 4s and if they like it you'll be chosen to win a pair or buy a pair so I done my pair I had all my Jordan 4s I stuck them all on a basketball hoop and I took a picture and a couple days later they wrote you've won the chance to buy Travis Scott Jordan 4s when you win them when you win the chance you have to fly to London to collect them from store and you gotta present your ID so that they know that you are really the guy who won, not some just other guy you could send and collect for you. So maybe traveling to get a pair would be the craziest thing to get one. So you went all the way from Shannon to London to collect. Yeah, to collect. Yeah. That's the life. As people understand that it is, it is that serious. Whenever you want something like. You get it. Yeah, it, it is that serious. Like, I, we're, we're lucky today being into it that we can get stuff pretty much at our hand. Like, if you go back to my uncle and a couple of other people who I know that are from the older generation, they travel the world to get stuff. They would have rang up their friend from New York. Oh, is that pair coming? They're like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be in store. They're like, grand. 
we go book a flight to fly to New York. You know, it's it's crazy. Fly to Japan, get a pair, exclusive Japan colorway. Only in Japan you can get it. You fly to Japan to get it. But today you could just go on your phone and go, ah, I'll have a look at eBay, I've look at StockX, I can see where, yeah, oh, make a few contacts. Yeah, I can get it. Post, send the money over. And it's there at your front door. A stare at your front door. You didn't have to get off your couch. It's crazy. It's crazy. You hear all Isn't the stories it? of people queuing up overnight for drops at Foot Locker or, you know, StockX or places like that. And nowadays we can just pull up our phone, jump on the app and get it. Like, it's, yeah. It's crazy. Like, you know, it is crazy. It's it's mad. People will still queue. Uh, Pre-COVID, people still queued for just mainly Yeezys. You'll see that um, when when it happened in Ireland first, when you had the first Yeezy One Pirate Blacks. That's when it all kicked off here. Yeah, that Those was queues. a big, big, big craze. That was big craze. And the queue was... It, w- it wasn't even that big because nobody was really kind of going, oh, Yeezys, yeah, yeah, Yeezys. It was after that. When the Pirate Blacks came out, everyone was kind of like, what's this? Then it kicked on. Yeah. Like I know lads that queued up and they get two and three pairs. And I was like, you got two two pairs? Yeah, they sold me two pairs. But now it's one pair per person. That's good that they're giving more more um, attention to detail with that so people can't book by. Because um, if even if you think of like gaming now, like with PlayStation 5s, you can't get your hands on them. And people are buying no. massive amounts of them and then trading them on marketplaces and stuff. So it's good that they showed that early that you could only get one pair and one pair only. Yeah, it's it's been great that you can. Or what most people are doing now is more like in-store raffles. You sign up and a thousand people could be in the draw and there's about a hundred pairs going. You could be one of the lucky hundred pairs to get one and you just go in and get it. So there's no queuing anymore because the queuing just, it causes issues causes people cutting queues, people making queue lists for friends that aren't even there and then the friends show up and you're like, wait a minute, you weren't even in the queue. You know, stops all that. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Oh, it is. It's, it's so fair. You know, I like, I, I want a pair of 700 mobs in Brown Thomas in Dublin in the Offspring store that's inside there. Uh, I, I entered on a Sunday or Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it was, and I got a message to Wednesday. You've won the chance to buy a pair. I was great. You have they in Dublin. They only give you one day to collect uh, between eleven and and six. If you don't collect anywhere between eleven and six on that day, or after six, they go on sale to the general public. So I had to drive up on Saturday to go and collect it and come home the same day. From Shannon. <laughs> that's that's how you know it's dedication right there. That is dedication. Yeah, it, it's fine because like you know you go up and you spend a day up there anyway, so it, you get a you know you get a whole day out of it. It's not just going up, take shoes and go home. That's it. That's what some people think though. They kind of give that impression that it's like you know you're just getting that and you're going home, but there's more to it. It's like you said, you know, you're spending time. You could bring the family up with you. You could you know go beside. Yeah, literally, like we that. I brought the whole family up with me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we'll go on a day trip up to Dublin and I collect my shoes as well. So it's great. Yeah, look, it all it, the birds with one stone there, like. Yeah, you know, it, it's good fun. Because the, the kids then are like, oh, where are we going? Oh, we're going to Dublin. Yeah, oh, cool. You know? <laughs> um, are you that guy now that when you see someone on the street, you look at their, their footwear first? Yeah, definitely. I see what they're, I see what they're rocking first. You see what they're rocking first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's 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 just habit over all these years. It's like, oh, nice. He's got those on. Yeah, very nice. And if you've seen someone with something that you kind of wanted, would you approach him and be like, where did you get them? Uh, no, uh, I have, I've never really been. Not like that, no. Not like that, no. You wouldn't be I that just, I, <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be that outright. I kind of uh, look at it from afar, or if they're if they're standing in a shop, and I'm like, I'd nudge herself beside me and go, "Look what he's got." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's educating others then as well. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. I, mean, like, um, I, I was in I was in Dublin one time, and there was there was uh, the easy drop of the three fifties for there's a plain black pair and there's a reflective pair. Yeah. And I was I was in I was in is it Krispy Kremes? Is it Krispy Kremes? That's there Chris- in Blanchardstown. Yeah, Krispy Kreme. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was in Krispy Kreme. And I looked at the guy in front of me, I looked down, and he was wearing the reflective 350s, Yeezy 350s. And I was like, I haven't seen them in person. I've seen them online. I don't know anybody that's got them, but this guy has them in front of me. Look, look, look. Check those out. (laughs) It's amazing, though. When you see something like that in person, you're kind of like, whoa. Yeah, because the reflective pairs... You, you don't see that often because they just it's like a myth cop they exist but you don't know anybody that has them yeah. I want to pose a question to you right yeah. so as you think about this one if you had to pick three favourites from your current collection what would they be it's a tough one isn't it I did my homework yeah <laughs> <laughs> you did your homework <laughs> did my homework well I, I I'm a massive dunk fan so yeah. I have to go with one of my dunks and because I used to be a skateboarder my f- I remember when Nike done their Nike SB campaign and they had skateboarders and there's a guy called Danny Supa he had a pair and they were orange blue and white and I remember them for always going those are amazing I, I, I was late too at the time when I found out about the night campaign. So I was like maybe two years later, you know? So this stuff would have been gone. Resale at the time, if you're going back, yeah, nearly 20 years, yeah? You're going back 20 years ago, resale for pairs like that were about 500 euros. Wow. Right? Because 500. So you're like, a pair that would have been sixty nine ninety nine turned out to be five hundred. That is because phenomenal. they were because they were so rare, so rare at the time. Because it was it was a whole new a whole new campaign that everybody was like, whoa, 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 this is insane! A skate shoe that's a dunk because it's got a big fat tongue like the skate shoes have. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's just it's unbelievable. No one ever heard of it at the time. So the, and then I always remember seeing the Danny Super is my favorite one because orange is like my favorite color. I was like, oh, I'll never own those. No way. I'll never own them because they're gone up to about nearly one and a half grand resale now. Wow. But they brought out a pair in a high top when the dunks were dead. Nobody was buying dunks. So I went on. I bought like three pairs and I took one pair and I sent the other two back tonight because I was like you know what I don't need three pairs I'm going to wear one I don't need three I'm not getting into this rock one stock one you know and back it up Like I was like I'm not getting into this no it's too much so I sent them back wore my pair absolutely loved it and then I realised shit <laughs> I need a second pair Lucky enough, my friend was going to Belfast Nike outlet store. He sent me a picture. There's Danny Super SBs here. Do you want a pair? I said, yes, please. Get me a pair. I got them for 50 quid. So it was half the price. You know, when you're in an outlet store, they're half the price. Yeah. So I have one pair that I wear all the time. And I have a pair that's still in a box that hasn't been opened. So that's one. That's one. Two. I'd say it has to be my my Royals Air Max ones. They're like my yeah. They're more than likely my second favorite pair. Because I just I always knew about Air Maxes when I was younger. You know everybody knows about Air Maxes. Yeah. Uh, It was always a thing. It was like Air Maxes. Oh cool. But everyone wore Air Max ninety fives or the TNs. Yeah, TNs were a big thing there for a while. TNs were a big thing. I hate TNs. I hate 95s. <laughs> I just, I can't get with it. I just, 
Nah, but Air Max ones. I always remember people wearing Air Max ones, like very rarely. And I used to go, "What are those? Are class? What are those?" Then Nike stopped doing kind of Air Max ones really good. They were doing really bad shape. Quality was terrible. I was like, "I'm not buying this crap. I'm not paying money for crap." Shoot. And then uh, I think it was about three years ago. They reissued the OG colorways as anniversary pairs, and I caught three out of the four that came out. I'm only missing one out of the four that re- got reissued, but it's the Royals. The blue and white are my favorite pair of all of them, and I wear them only on special occasions. They're the big one. They're the, the special when they come off for a special occasion. That's how you know they're the, they're the big shoe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big shoe. Uh, third pair would probably be it. Probably be it, and it's more new. So yeah, it's definitely the Travis Scott Jordan Four. Yeah, they are a nice that, shoe. That's just it's it's a different. It's on another level. When you wear it, it's that neck breaking. You know, uh, that's what we say. It's a neck breaker. People have take two looks. What's that? You know, and even just having the journey, I was saying to go over to London to get it, bring it back. It was my real first hype, hype pair to have gotten. Wasn't really hype at the time, but now, what we call people. They say that's their grail pair. It's a pair that they really, really want. Because resale on that pair is about a grand or more, depending on size. Yeah, so that has to be my favorite pair. Those are probably my three. Yeah. Fifty Cent once said that um, he wouldn't buy a pair of shoes that cost more than a car. What do you think? About yeah, well, he's got, he's got loads of money, doesn't he? So. <laughs> That's something man that stuck in my head before. It's like because I I was big into the Yeezys and I remember the first time I seen the the red the red ones. I can't remember the name top off my head now, but like they went they went for, with the strap, yeah, yeah, the yeah. red Octobers, yeah, Octobers, the red Octobers. That was it. Yeah, and I remember seeing the price and I was like, wow, I'm like yeah, no, it's insane. Still to this very day, it's insane. Or the Air Max, and I was like, people aren't spending that. Like people ain't no way. Oh no, no. Way. people do. And people you see buy them. And you're like, wow, like that's that's phenomenal. Like one of my mates had a, a replica pair of Air Mags and he sold them. He he got them for three grand and he sold them for six. So he made his money back plus profit. It's crazy. It's absolutely Isn't it? crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is, it's crazy. Sure, Yeezy sold um that pair that it, it sold there at an auction there last week. Um, you can see it in front of me, but I, it, it's a it's a black pair. It's a pair that uh, Kanye wore. I think it sold oh, for I a know. million. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it had the green in it, didn't it? Yeah, a green sole. Yeah, yeah, like, kind yeah, of like yeah. a luminous green sole. Yeah, I think it sold for a million. Wow, a million like dollars. all because Kanye, all because Kanye wore it. Right. Right. Um, know, yeah. Since everyone's buying new releases right now, do you feel like there's more opportunity to collect older stuff? No, because the older stuff, it's hard to get because the older collectors have it and they don't really sell it. But what Nike are doing now is they're reissuing the old stuff as new which okay. is great so they're bringing stuff that's 10 plus years old that came out for maybe a japan or asian or american you american uh colorways only but they're coming out as a just a normal a normal pair that you yeah. can get now uh it's it's great i love that like if it's not hyped up you're okay to get them but if it's if it's hyped up forget it you've no chance like i got a pair of air force one silver snakes 
and they came out in I think it was 2006 and I remember always seeing those I remember seeing the older guys when I used to go to when I used to go to London for like sneaker shows and stuff and a couple of people had their older stuff and I just go they're so cool and then they came back out uh, this year went on sneakers app no bother bang done in the basket saw it two days later I was like this is great no hype behind it great but if you've got hype behind it forget it you're not getting it like you're not getting it unless you're like super lucky like, w- one time I two two times I've been lucky on sneakers app like yeah two uh, times out of how many do you reckon 50 wow you know probably the luckiest one is I got the Travis Scott Jordan ones Jordan 1 lows Mm. I got those off the sneakers app you had like there's a 30 minute window you gotta enter enter in your your password and your details and they come up and you say enter you'll be notified when the draw is done the draw finishes at 8.30 8.31 bang notification comes up paid by PayPal like I actually won. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of yeah, shock moment. I, I won. The, yeah, and that was like two years ago, three years ago. Crazy. So that was that was insane. Like, what's on your feet at the moment? What are you rocking? Um, I uh, I'm wearing nothing at the moment, but I was wearing uh, uh my off-white sale Jordan fours. Nice, nice. Yeah, they, they're very nice. Off-white nah, are nice mix. The off-white pairs are insane. It, it's just getting a, a good price for it is is key. Like yeah, I, I won't pay. A lot of I won't pay stupid there. money. Yeah, I won't pay the stupid money. Like the original ten that came out first, they're the Chicago's, Chicago ones. I think they're at like three and a half grand. For Jordan One, that retails at eighty nine ninety nine. That is just phenomenal, man. Looking at that, one. isn't it? Or what? Eighty nine, yeah, eighty or ninety nine, ninety nine, whichever one it is that retails, and it's now three and a half grand. That's what, that's insane. In your personal opinion, man, what makes a good sneaker good? Like, what do you look for? has to be shape and good quality build if it's not like it just throws the whole shoe off like like i was saying about the air maxes like if the air maxes when they went through that really bad period of uh bad shape it just looks bad on foot and just the angles and the construction behind it just looked terrible but when they brought out the anniversaries they fixed it you know it's it's just basically the the mud guard, and it's a tiny detail. The mud guard used to slope really badly, but now the slope is nice and straight all the way across. And, and that tiny detail makes a big difference. Okay, sure. And another thing that's always kind of confused me with this kind of culture is, what's the difference between a sneakerhead and a hype beast? <laughs> because a hype seems to buy a shoe just to kind of stunt it but so does a sneakerhead no say that again like a hype they seem to just buy a shoe to stunt it to show it off on instagram but wouldn't a sneakerhead not be doing the same thing no or would they be more kind of personal well a hype beast is more of a person who's dressed from head to toe in all fashion gear that's wearing like really expensive stuff kind of like supreme yeah yeah, supreme uh off-white that any collab that you can think of that would join together like that supreme louis vuitton wear any of that stuff it's just super high street and fashion stuff that people would wear all together and then wear a different one again the next day 
but they would never continually keep wearing the same stuff over and over again because it's just not cool. It's not being hypebeast. Whereas okay. just normal sneakerheads would just, they buy what they wear and they dress casually or, you know, different. You know, some people that are sneakerheads, they wear skinny jeans, ripped jeans, tight t-shirts, while others wear baggy pants, you know, or shirts, or some I've seen have started to wear like more kind of like the straight leg uh, chinos type where they kind of just float over the shoe. Yeah. So like you wouldn't call them hype beasts, but if you're wearing a lot of brands, yeah, you're, you're a hype beast. Okay, because this all one, you, you, you wrap wear... my head around like. I'm yeah, such a yeah, novice yeah. to all this, you know. I'm trying to like. Oh, <laughs> like Soon enough, I'll see you walking down the street, hype beast from head to toe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm terrible, man. I can never match, like, say, if I'm wearing Nikes on my feet. I'll end up having like Adidas socks on and like Reebok shorts. You know, I can't put everything together. I don't know if this is oh, me yeah, as a yeah, person, yeah. but I feel like it's too uniformed if everything's together. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible hype beast. Terrible hype beast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, some of my good mates would say that I, I'd be on that category of being a hype beast because I wouldn't wear Adidas socks with Nike shoes. You go all in, like. <laughs> I'm just looking there because I'm wearing a pair of dunks at the moment with Adidas socks on them. Like, yeah, a lot of people won't like. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're breaking you're breaking the rules. I'm breaking the fourth wall. Of, uh, <laughs> Look, man, I will wrap it up there because um, if we give out any more information, we're gonna start charging for it. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've given away some secrets and some really good nuggets of knowledge um, from the acupuncture and to the sneakerhead side. So I really appreciate you coming on and doing that. Is there anything you want to yeah, leave no before you go? Um, well, if anyone wants to follow my Acupush page for any more information that they want to contact me about, they can follow me on Sunrise Acupuncture Clinic or Sun Sunrise Acupuncture Therapy on Instagram and Facebook. So um, if they want when to... When you open it back up again? Uh, well, it seems like uh, the gyms is starting to open up in... June, so back full flow next month, I'd say. Awesome, and people have been sitting on the butts doing nothing due to this lockdown, so get in and get your ailments fixed. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who suffer with a lot of. Um, with, like, I, I don't like, like saying depression or, you know, but to be for more mental health. And uh, we can help on that side of things. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. All right, and mate, if anyone thanks. wants to follow, yeah, and if anyone wants to follow me on, on Instagram, it's uh, General Boss. General Boss. There we go. We got yeah. it, guys. Um, yeah, yeah. Gen you'll, see, you'll see Cliff's shoes, styles, everything on that. Like, you know, if you're aspiring sneakerhead or if you're a sneakerhead yourself, take a look at it. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks for having it's me. Great. It was a pleasure as always. Yeah, it was great chatting to you. Thanks, I'm man. sure we'll, we'll see each other soon enough. We definitely will. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. Okay,